Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore with your host, Matthew Miller. We give you pint-sized, bite-sized pieces of supernatural monster lore, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen, if you dare. It's midnight in a cemetery. Two strange figures enter through the gate and approach a grave. The men are dressed in colorful robes and stereotypical wizard's hats. They reach the grave and make a magic circle out of chalk or salt. Seeming a bit nervous, one of them raises a wand, points it at the grave as the other recites a Latin incantation. They finish and wait. After only a few minutes, a decaying skeletal hand bursts forth from the dirt. As the decomposing corpse climbs up out of the grave, the men seem both triumphant and terrified at the same time. They are necromancers. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert on all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the dark and haunted swamps of Louisiana. And it's my pleasure to welcome you into my terrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story, which is Volume 1 of the Gravediggers series. The Gravediggers are a punk rock band who keep crossing paths with all sorts of dark, evil, nasty creatures. It's horror and comedy in one super entertaining series. And it's a six-part series. Volumes 1 through 3 are out. Volume 4 is coming out any day now. So be sure to read 1 through 3 so you'll be up to the story. There's a sort of collective cultural meme of a medieval sorcerer or wizard. You know, you can probably imagine him in colorful robes, often purple or dark blue, with stars and planets on them, a pointed hat. He has a magic wand, he has a long white beard. Almost a Gandalf sort of fellow. Well, that stereotype comes in large part from two real historical characters named John Dee and Edward Kelly, who, according to uh, paintings of them, contemporary paintings, kind of did dress like that. Dee and Kelly were kind of partners and that they shared an obsession with alchemy and magic. Let's just briefly look at their backgrounds. Edward Kelly lived from 1555 to 1597, which places their lives not really in the Middle Ages, but in the early modern period, roughly speaking. Edward Kelly was essentially a medium. Uh, He was also an occultist and an alchemist. So a medium contacts spirits, right? An occultist is involved in dark arts, dark magic, hidden things, that's what occult means, hidden, and then the alchemist basically works with chemical elements to try to purify them and improve them somehow. Of course, the stereotype of the alchemist is someone trying to turn lead into gold. Edward Kelly claimed to be a master of all three of those skills, and um, he furthermore claimed the skill of necromancy. As opposed to mediumship, which is only like talking to the spirits of the dead. Think about like, you know, the Victorian age person sitting around a table. Is there anyone here? What, can, what message do you have for us? 
a necromancer actually tries to conjure the dead and control them and ask them to predict the future or to actually do something in the world of the living. This sometimes involves not only conjuring spirits, but resurrecting corpses. So that's um, Edward Kelly. John D. lived from 1527 to 1608. What's so interesting about John D. is that he was the official court astronomer for Queen Elizabeth I of England. So he was legit for the time. In addition to being an astronomer, he claimed to be, uh, he claimed to be an astrologer, an occultist, and an alchemist. And briefly, the difference between astronomy and astrology is that astronomy studies the universe you know, using a scientific method, while astrology believes that the motions and positions of the stars and planets can affect our lives on Earth. You know, you've heard that. You know, what's your astrological sign, the sign of the zodiac, you know, what planet's in the house of what, and so forth. Now, in those days, there was not such a, a sharp dividing line between astronomy and astrology. Kelly and Dee met in 1582. Now, Dee, in addition to all the claims he made of his abilities, also was trying to contact angels, right, to talk to angels. He had been using scrying, which is basically looking into a glass or crystal. You've seen the stereotypical right, fortune teller looking into a crystal ball. Well, technically, that's scrying. He tried to contact angels in uh, that manner, but he couldn't. Kelly claimed he could, <laughs> and according to D, he succeeded in contacting angels. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Uh, D and Kelly traveled around England doing their thing, around Europe also, practicing their abilities and trying to learn more about them. They, let's see, before, oh yeah, so D had a little bit of a criminal past. Uh, both of them had a little criminal run-ins with the law, actually. Uh, D was put on the pillory, he was pilloried in England for counterfeiting money. Now the pillory, you, you've probably heard of the stocks where you have the hole for your head and your wrists and you have to stand there while subject to public shame and sometimes people throw rotten fruit at you and so forth. Well, pillory is kind of like that except you're standing up straight, it's taller, and your head and, and arms are in a very awkward position. So it's painful in addition to humiliating. Usually only lasted a few hours, but... Um, in France, for example, two hours was the limit. But the main idea is public shame, which, by the way, psychology teaches us is the number one motivating factor for changing behavior. It's public shame. So you'd be put in the pillory, shamed, your, you know, your name and your crime were written above you in a sign, and people could throw things at you and yell at you and call you names. All right, so Kelly I was put on the pillory. Also, there's some evidence that they cut his ears off. That was also part of a punishment in some areas uh, uh, of crime. You know, it's called uh, cropping, cut off the ears. And he did always wear a hat later in life. And some people say, well, just to hide his missing ears. <clears throat> Kelly now uh, was also arrested later for claiming to turn lead into gold, but not producing results, <laughs> you can imagine. And apparently he killed himself by poisoning himself in front of his wife and kids. So we're dealing with some strange characters here. There's much more to their background and history, of course, but, you know, for this podcast, I want to just focus on their shared belief in the occult. Their claim to communicate with angels was through this weird language called Enochian language that D claimed the angels gave him. So he used these uh, 
wax tablets and stone tablets to communicate with the angels, as well as this intricate kind of alphabet he had written of the Anakian language. The method of interpretation was known only to him, and Kelly would sit there and write down what he said. Dee claimed that the angels gave him these stone tablets and then gave him instructions to make the wax tablets. By the way, these tablets still exist in a museum today, the very ones. These were real people, real historical characters. What did the angels tell Dee? Well, not, not too much interesting things. Mostly they gave prophecies about the deaths of you know, leaders and rulers of the time. And we don't know if the prophecies came true because they were so secretive about them. But <laughs> one particular message from the angels supposedly told Dee that he and Kelly should share wives. Kelly agreed, though sadly, and well, apparently each one had sex with the other's wife, then they stopped. I wonder, was this the first swingers club? Some kind of weird angelic swingers club? Well, one of the biggest claims by the men is that they uh, conjured a demon and raised a corpse from the dead. In some versions, it's just Kelly doing this alone. In other versions, it's D.N. Kelly. Uh, they animated a corpse, according to them, so that they could question it about the future life and the death of a local nobleman named Thomas Langton. Presumably, they were hired by Langton, or else why would they have done this? The event happened in Lancashire in northwest England. The village is called Walton Ludale, I suppose is the pronunciation. So Kelly and Dee and Langton first went to this a place called Walton Park. They conjured a demon there, talked to him, and somehow got him to agree. Uh, the name of the demon is unknown. They went to the churchyard at a church called St. Leonard's. And there they dug up a corpse and the demon took over the corpse, crawled out of its grave, and the corpse spoke to them about Langton's future and when he would die. The account was written by a contemporary of Dee and Kelly, a man named John Weaver. I'll read some excerpts from it briefly. <clears throat> Weaver says, Then thus this diabolical questioning of the dead, for the knowledge of future accidents, was put in practice by the foresaid Kelly, who, upon a certain night, in the park of Walton in Lodale, in the county of Lancaster, with one Peter Waring, his fellow companion in such deeds of darkness, invocated someone of the infernal regiment to know certain passages in the life and also what might be known by the devil's foresight of the manner and time of death of a, a noble young gentleman as then in his wardship. The black ceremonies of that night being ended, okay, so this is an, continuing another excerpt, Kelly demanded one of the gentleman's servants what corpse was left buried in the law churchyard, a church there unto adjoining, who told him of a poor man who was buried there but the same day. He uh, and the said Waring, or Waring or Waring, not sure, entreated this aforesaid servant to go with him to the grave of the man so lately interred, which he did, and withal did help them to dig up the carcass of the poor caitiff, whom by their incantations they made, or rather some evil spirit through his organs, to speak, who delivered strange predictions concerning the said gentleman. You might have heard the word there, caitiff. That uh, is a word that kind of, it's an older word, we don't use it anymore, but it meant like the poor bastard. Or the, you know how you say that? Oh, that poor wretch, or man, that poor bastard. It's kind of like that. <clears throat> Then uh, we have another excerpt from Weaver's writing. It says, I was told so much, meaning I was told what I just told you, by the serving man, a secondary actor in that dismal, abhorred business. 
And divers gentlemen and others are now living in Lancashire, to whom he hath related this story. And the gentleman himself, whose memory I am bound to honor, told me a little before his death of this conjuration of Kelly, as he had it by relation from his said servant and tenant, only some circumstances excepted, which he thought not fitting to come to his master's knowledge. As, you know, his grammar, I mean, syntax and wording is a little old-fashioned, but that's the account by a contemporary. Um, that's their big claim to fame, was raising this dead body and having a demon inhabit it. D, later in his life, was sought for advice on this supposed possession slash poltergeist event with his family. He did not. He didn't seem too interested. He, uh, I think, he sent, you know, one of his assistants to pray for them or something. Some people believe he was trying to kind of distance himself from his former life, because toward the end of his life he had some kind of position at a university. So maybe he was trying to, you know, <laughs> get away from his reputation. What do you think? Were D and Kelly really wizards, sorcerers? Could they really speak to angels in the Anakian language? Is there such a thing? Did they conjure demons and raise the dead? Were they successful necromancers? Or were they, as most people today believe, charlatans, <laughs> fakers? Well, I suppose that depends on your own beliefs in this stuff. Is necromancy real? Can it really be done? Do you go to fortune tellers? If so, do you believe in them? Or do you think they're all just charlatans? I don't know. What do you think? I'd love to read your comments on my YouTube channel, which is under my own name, Matthew Miller. All of these podcasts available on Podbeam, uh, Podbean, sorry.com. Apple Podcasts, a few others, and YouTube. So on YouTube, you can comment. But tonight, if you're passing a cemetery and you see a robed and hooded figure with a magic wand pointing at a grave, my advice, just keep going. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes of Thanks and Folklore. Sleep well, if you can. <laughs>